Welcome to Voices of Church Past. I am your host, Rob Barton. Today, we'll be heading on back to Clement of Rome, his letter to the Corinthians. It's been a while. We pick up where we left off, chapter 40, 41. That every one of you, brethren, give thanks to God in his own order, living in all good conscience, with becoming gravity and not going beyond the rule of the ministry prescribed to him. Not in every place, brethren, are the daily sacrifices offered, or the peace offerings, or the sin offerings, and the trespass offerings, but in Jerusalem only. Even there they are not offered in any place, but only at the altar before the temple, that which is offered being first carefully examined by the high priest and the ministers already mentioned. Those, therefore, who do anything beyond that which is agreeable to his will are punished with death. You see, brethren, that the greater the knowledge that has been given to us, the greater is also the danger to which we are exposed. The apostles have preached the gospel to us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has done so from God. Christ, therefore, was sent forth by God and the apostles by Christ. Both these appointments then were made in an orderly way according to the will of God, having therefore received their orders and being fully assured by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and established in the word of God with full assurance of the Holy Spirit. They went forth proclaiming that the kingdom of God was at hand, and thus preaching through countries and cities, they appointed the first fruits of their labors, having first proved them by the Spirit to be bishops and deacons of those who should afterwards believe. Nor was there any new thing, since indeed many ages before it was written concerning bishops and deacons. For thus says scripture in a certain place, I will appoint their bishops in righteousness and their deacons of faith. And what wonder is it if those in Christ who are trusted with such a duty by God pointed those ministers before mentioned, when the blessed Moses, also a faithful servant in all his house, noted down in the sacred books all the injunctions which were given him, and when the other prophets also followed him, bearing witness with one consent to the ordinances which he had pointed? For when rivalry rose concerning the priesthood, the tribes were contending among themselves as to which of them should be adorned with the glorious title. He commanded the twelve princes, the tribes, to bring him their rods, each one of them being inscribed with the name of the tribe. And he took them and bound them together and sealed them with the rings of princes of the tribes, laid them up in the tabernacle of the witness on the table of God, having shut the doors of the tabernacle. He sealed the keys as he had done the rods and said to them, Men, brethren, tribe whose rod shall blossom, has God chosen to fulfill the office of priesthood, to minister unto him. When the morning had come, he assembled all of Israel, six hundred thousand men, and showed the seals, the princes to the tribes, and opened the tabernacle of the witness, and brought forth the rods. The rod of Aaron was found not only to have blossomed, but to fair, bear fruit upon it. What he, beloved, did not, did not Moses know beforehand this would happen? Undoubtedly he knew. But he acted thus, that there might be no sedition in Israel, that the name of the true and only God might be glorified, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Our apostles also knew 
from Je our Lord Jesus Christ, that there would be strife on the account of the office of the Episcopate. For this reason, therefore, so much as they have attained a perfect foreknowledge of this, they point that those ministers already mentioned, and afterwards gave instructions, that when these should fall asleep, other approved men should succeed them in their ministry. We are of the opinion, therefore, that those appointed by them, for afterwards, by other eminent men, with the consent of the whole church, who have blamelessly served the flock of Christ, in a humble, peaceable, disinterested spirit, and have long time possessed the good opinion of all, cannot be justly dismissed from the ministry. For our sin w will not be small if we reject the episcopate. Those who have blamelessly and wholly fulfilled its duties, blessed are those presbyters who, having finished their course before now, have obtained a fruitful and perfect departure for this world. For they have no fear lest anyone deprive them of the place now appointed them. But we see that you have removed some men of excellent behavior from ministry, which they fulfilled blamelessly and with honor. You are fond of contention, brethren, full of zeal about things which do not pertain to salvation. Look carefully in the scriptures which are true utterances of the Holy Spirit, observe that nothing of an unjust or a counterfeit character is written in them. There you will not find that the righteous were cast off by men who themselves were free. The righteous were indeed persecuted, but only by the wicked. They are cast into prison, but only by the unholy. They were stoned, but only by the transgressors. They were slain, but only by the cursed. Such as had conceived an unrighteous envy against them. Exposed to such sufferings, they endured them gloriously. What shall we say then, brethren? As Daniel... Daniel 6.16, 6, cast into the den of lions by such as feared God, or Ananias and Michael shut up in the furnace, Daniel 3.20, a fire by those who observe the great glorious worship of the Most High. Far from us be such a thought. Who then were they that did such things? The hateful and those full of all wickedness were roused to such a pitch of fury that they inflicted torture on those who served God with a holy and blameless purpose in the heart. Not knowing that the Most High is the defender and protector of all such, as with a pure conscience, venerate all his excellent name. To whom be glory forever and ever. But they who with confidence endured these things are now hares of glory and honor, who have been exalted and made illustrious by God in their memorial forever and ever. Amen. Such examples, therefore, brethren, it is right that we should follow, since it is written, cleave to the holy, there is to cleave to them, thou themselves be made holy. In another place, a harmless man you shall prove yourself harmless, and with an elect man you shall be elect, with a perverse man you shall show yourself perverse. Let us cleave, therefore, to the innocent righteous, since these are the elect of God. Why are there strifes and tumults, divisions and schisms, wars among you? Have we not all one God and one Christ? Is there not one Spirit of grace poured out upon us? And have we not one calling in Christ? Ephesians 4, 4, 6. Why do we divide and tear in pieces the members of the body? Rise up strife against our body. And have reached such a height of madness as to forget that we are members of the Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and say, Woe to that man, God.
definitely. You should cast a stunning block before one of my little ones. Your schism has subverted the faith of many, discouraged many, given rise to doubt of many, and caused grief to us all, and still your sedition. Take up the epistle of the blessed apostle Paul. What did he write to you at the time when the gospel first began to be preached? Truly on the inspiration of spirit, he wrote to you concerning himself and Cephas, and Apollos, because even then parties had formed among you, with that inclination for one above another, no less guilt upon you, so much as your particularities were shown towards the apostles, already of high reputation, towards a man to whom they had approved, but now reflect who those are that perverted you, lessen the renown of your far famed brotherly love. He's disgraceful, beloved, yea, highly disgraceful and unworthy of your Christian profession. Such a thing should be heard of as that as the most steadfast nature church of the Corinthians should, on the account of one or two persons, engage in sedition against the presbyters. This rumor has reached not only us, but those who are among the young connected with us. So as that through your infatuation, the name of the Lord is blasphemy, while danger is also brought upon ourselves. Let us therefore, with all haste, put an end to this state of things. Let us fall down before the Lord, beseech him with tears, that he would be mercy reconciled to us. Restore us to our formerly seen former seemingly and fully practice of brotherly love. For such conduct is the gate of righteousness, which is set open for the attainment of life as is written open to me is the gate of righteousness. I will go in by them, and I'll praise the Lord, this is the gate of the Lord, righteousness shall enter by it. Although therefore many gates have been set open, yet this gate of righteousness is the gate in Christ, by which blessed are, are all they that have entered in directed their holiness righteousness, doing all things without disorder. Let a man be faithful, let him be powerful in the utterance of knowledge. Let him be wise in judging his words, let him be pure in his deeds. Yet the more he seems to be superior to others in this respect, the more humble-minded he ought to be. They seek the common good of all. Let him who has love in Christ who can describe the blessed bond of the love of God? What man is able to tell the excellence of his beauty? As often told, the height of which love exalts is unspeakable. Love unites us to God. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love bears all things. Is long suffering in all things. There is nothing base, nothing arrogant in love. Love admits no schism. Love gives rise to no sedition. Love does all things in harmony. By love have all the elect of God been made perfect. Without love, nothing is more pleasing to God. In love has the Lord taken, on to, uh, taken us unto himself. The account of the love he bore us, Jesus Christ our Lord, gave his blood for us by the will of God. His flesh for our flesh, his soul for our soul. See, beloved, how great and wonderful thing in love. There is no declaring his perfection. Who is fit to be found in him except such as God? <clears throat> Let us pray, therefore, for his mercy. 
that we may live blamelessly in love, free from all human partialities from one another. All the generations from Adam, even unto this day, have passed away, but those who the grace of God have been made perfect in love, now possess a place among the godly, and shall be made manifest in the revelation of the kingdom of Christ. For it's written in interior secret chambers for a little time until my wrath and fury pass away, and I will remember coming day will raise you up out of your grave. Blessed are we, beloved, if we keep the commandments of God, the harmony of love, that so through love our sins may be forgiven us. It's written, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin, or will not impute to him, and whose wrath there will be no doubt. This blessing is comes upon those who have been chosen by God through Jesus Christ our Lord, who be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's been a long time coming. We found the letter of lament. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll pick up starting in chapter 51. The next time we hear from Clement, his brother, long past beyond. Keep in mind, the goal isn't to necessarily agree or disagree with everything he says. The The goal of the church history portion of the podcast, the portion that doesn't necessarily just read Martin Luther, but many people who have stood in the faith for us, the goal is to hear the voices from the past and to remember how people who came before us were reading the very same scriptures that we have today. Though, it's not known who had what what point in time and when the fullness of scriptures were properly compiled into one statement. But they were reading scriptures nonetheless. Many of them read books that we read today. And it's an appreciation to understand and enjoy how they understood scripture or how they uh, tried to go to God's word and understand it and try to explain it to other people who maybe didn't have that much light. And I, I think what's interesting about today's uh, reading of Clement the f- sufficiency of scripture the inerrancy of scripture the infallibility of scripture were clearly proclaimed. If you were listening to it, a lot of the arguments that latter day Christians use now to defend how we can know we have the word of God were given here in the first century by Clement. Sometimes it's amazing how though he wrote Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Probably at least 2,000, give or take. We say some of the same things he said. Isn't that kind of um, amazing that uh, that much time has passed, and yet many people confess the very things that the early church confessed. Not always, but when we do, we should uh, give thanks to God. Um, 
because if the telephone game was true, that should never happen. That many different people writing and that many that much time between the two parties, there should be much, much, much disagreement. We should never arrive at saying a thing that's been said before, but yet it's been my experience that when I read church history, a lot of what we believe, they believed. Not everything, but a lot. You'd be surprised at how common our faith is with those who came before us. I think that's kind of cool. Anyways, may God bless you and keep you steadfast in one true faith. Hopefully, uh, you will listen in the future to more podcasts from me. Until then, God bless.